0: This is a reminder, you're listening to the Delayed Broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms.
1: Welcome back to the Breakfast Show. We have got the fourth clue for our quiz this morning. Yes. Okay, so here we go. God said... Though Edom soared like this creatures oh, sorry, I'll start again. God said that though Edom soared like this creature and made its nest among the stars, He would put it down.
2: Ooh, God you... said
1: that Edom soared like this creature and made its nest among the stars. He would put it down.
2: Give us a call, one eight hundred Faith FM, if you know the answer. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Over
0: to you, Lyle. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, that is in 18 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. This is our encounter with God section, and we are studying the book of Daniel before we get into the book of Daniel. There are a couple of things that I should mention. One of the movements that is starting to take place, and you possibly heard this mentioned yesterday, is Australian preparations for Anzac Day. Of course, it's a very important event on our calendar uh, when we remember those who gave their lives in sacrifice for our country, for the freedoms that we enjoy. We remember them and I think it's important that we do so every year. And of course, our Anzac Day celebrations have been cancelled due to the coronavirus. So the suggestion that has gone out and is gaining somewhat a bit of attraction is that we actually hold our own Anzac service at the end of our driveway. We can all go to the end of our driveway. It doesn't matter what quarantine we are placed in. And hold our own little private service there. Wouldn't it be amazing to drive around on Anzac Day morning and to see people all over the place just standing in their driveway. Take a moment to remember the events of the past and those who gave the the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live the way that we live today. So that we can be here on Faith FM presenting the gospel. I think this is something that's well worth considering. It's definitely something that I will be planning to do. And it would be nice to see a whole bunch of other people doing the same thing. Anyway, before we get into our Bible study I should also should remind you about the Faith FM App. Now, this is going to be particularly important because over the coming weeks, we are going to be broadcasting church services on the weekend, and so Faith FM may end up being your de facto church for some time. And so if you can get the app, then you'll be able to listen to the take part in the church service, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll be able to do that in a way that will be, you'll be able to interact with the Bible study, listen to the church service, all of these kinds of things. And we uh, hope to be able to provide that for you as the pandemic increases here in Australia and tougher restrictions come in about social gatherings. So this is a couple of thoughts there. Make sure you get the Faith FM app. Just go to go to your app store. Go to Faith F m australia and get the app there and you can be part of the church service anyway we need to get into our bible study we are in daniel chapter 11 which has so much it's so rich with history if you don't like history then you're going to like history by the time you get to the end of daniel chapter 11 because it's just full of history so much of it yesterday we got up to a part where we've now moved down through to the roman empire we have sort of we've passed we've passed the republican era of rome we're definitely into the imperial section we've got julius caesar who is down in egypt he then continues to move out of egypt he takes the bosphoran kingdom conquers the ii with you know i claim i saw i conquered. but then in verse 19 it says then he shall turn his face toward his fortress of his own land and stumble and fall and not be found and if we know that's pretty much what happened to julius caesar isn't it julius caesar was assassinated on the Senate floor. He was stabbed in the back. This was a conspiracy. It was led by his former close friend Brutus. They were able to separate him from his uh, from his guard and distract his guard, sort of outside of the Senate, so that they weren't able to intervene in any in any way. And for such a significant individual who did so much to die in a way like that, to stumble and fall, as the Bible says, and not be found, and die such an ignominious death. I don't know about you, but it's just like wow. And the Bible spoke about it, you know, hundreds of years before it took place. And then it goes on, and then this is where you've got this model that we've seen happen again and again and again, where you go from warrior to CEO, so to speak. You find this in the Persian kingdom, we Persian Empire, we mentioned. You find it in the Greek Empire, but you really find it in the Persian Empire. You definitely find it in the Babylonian Empire. So in the Babylonian Empire, you've got Nebuchadnezzar, who's the warrior who, who conquers the Assyrians and a number of other parts of the world, and then Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, CEO who makes the empire incredibly wealthy. Then you come to the Persian Empire and you've got Cyrus the Great who's the statesman and the warrior who conquers the world and sets up the Persian Empire. And then you've got Darius the Great who follows him and he's the great CEO who makes it incredibly wealthy. You've got King David who comes along and he's the warrior king. Once again, he builds the Israelite empire is followed by Solomon, who is the the CEO who makes it incredibly wealthy. And so this is a pattern that we find, you know, history repeating itself. And we come to Julius Caesar, who is definitely the great warrior. And he builds this empire. He proclaims himself dictator for life. It now moves from being a republic, you know, government by the people for the people, to being an empire it's ruled by Julius Caesar, a very controversial move he makes right there. And it is then followed by Caesar Augustus, formerly known as Octavian, and he becomes the great CEO who makes the empire incredibly wealthy. And the Bible speaks about it. The Bible says in verse 20, there shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. And you can read this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Bible says, you know, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. He's going to cash in on what Julius Caesar has created. And he's like, well, there's a lot of money out there and it needs to be gathered in. And of course, this is having going to have a direct effect on Jesus Christ, because you have this prophecy in Micah chapter five, where the Bible says that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Jesus' parents don't live in Bethlehem. They're peasants. They live you know, like 120 kilometers from Bethlehem. That's a long way, very, very long way from Bethlehem. Jesus is conceived there in Nazareth. The time is coming closer and closer and closer to when Jesus will be born. And he's nowhere near Nazareth. And I don't know about you, but one thing I know about women who are full term pregnant, they're not too excited about going on a journey, particularly if they're going to have to hike it. Of course, you can see on all the Christmas cards that Mary rode on a donkey. Well, maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. We don't know. We do know that they were peasants. Maybe they didn't have a donkey. Maybe they couldn't afford a donkey. and Maybe Mary had to walk the whole way full term. Alternatively, let's say that she did have a donkey. Let's say that's how it did go down. For you ladies who are listening in and for you ladies who are mothers, I want you to run this scenario through your mind for a moment. You're full term pregnant. The prophecy says, yes, Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem and you're in Nazareth, but you're nine months pregnant. I don't know about you, but just from observation, because I have two kids and I've seen what my wife went through in that last month when it's like, just just get this thing out of me. I just want this thing out of me. I'm done with being pregnant. I'm over it and uncomfortable. How many of you would be putting up your hand and saying, you know what, let's go down to Bethlehem. The prophecy says that you know Messiah has to be born down there. So let's take a holiday to Bethlehem. I'll jump on the back of a donkey. I'll ride down there. There is no way in a million years that anyone in their right mind is going to choose that. But as it turns out, as the Bible says, one who imposes taxes will come to power. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be taxed. As a result of that decree, Mary didn't have any choice. She had to get on that donkey. Or she had to foot it all the way down to Bethlehem. The prophecy was fulfilled. It was one of those prophecies that you can kind of see it coming and you think, it's never going to happen. And then suddenly, it does. Just like the Bible said, That it would.
3: The world waits for a miracle The heart longs for a little bit of hope Oh, come Oh, come Emmanuel A child prays For peace on earth And she's calling now From a sea of hurt Oh, come Oh, come Emmanuel And can you the a of a mother, the baby's cry is the sound of love. Come down, come down, Emmanuel, oh. He is the song for the suffering. He is Messiah, the Prince of Peace has come, he has come. Amen
0: Verse 20 here in Daniel chapter 11, we could read it, you know, a little bit like this. There shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom, giving our, giving our Lyle Southwell, uninspired, expanded version, we would add in there, his name is Octavian, but he will become Caesar Augustus. His taxations of the whole empire will cause Joseph and Mary to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem where Messiah the Prince will be born in fulfillment of the words of Micah the prophet then it goes on and says, But within a few years he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle, but rather from old age. And Caesar Octavian, Caesar Augustus, I should say, is what he became called. Caesar Augustus is going to be one of these few emperors that does manage to die of old age. They seem to be bumped off left, right and centre for a whole host of different reasons or die prematurely from dissolute living. But this guy is going to go die from old age. You can go to Rome today and you can see his mausoleum in Rome. They kind of need to do a bit of work on it last time. They need to do a lot of work on it last time I saw it. It was just covered, surrounded by a fence and sort of been left there and forgotten it. But then the Bible goes on and the Bible says then, verse 21, In his place shall arise a vile person. Basically, what happened was that Caesar Augustus had somebody else in mind, a very decent citizen of Rome, to take his position when he died, and that other citizen died and so was not able to take the throne. Tiberius' mother had been continually coming to Caesar Augustus and saying, put my son on the throne. Well, Caesar Augustus had refused to do so, because in Caesar Augustus' own words, he would not give it to that, quote, vile young man. When he starts to run out of options and he's weakened by old age and he's about to die of old age and uh, Tiberius's mother keeps coming in the end he's just like just give it to Tiberius already. I'm done. And that's what happens. The Bible says in verse 21 And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honour of royalty but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by the int- by intrigues. And we could read it a little bit like this. In his place shall will arise a vile person. A Lyle Southwell expanded version now. a vile person, Tiberius Caesar. To whom they will not give the honour of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by the intrigues of his mother, who will convince Caesar Augustus to nominate the vile young man while weak and on his deathbed. That's the expanded version and because he was such a dissolute individual, inept. At being an emperor, he was kind of hated by the Romans. They didn't like him. So he built himself a fortress palace retreat on the island of Capri. Now, if anyone's been to Capri, you can kind of tell why he would go there. It is a spectacular place. Cliffs rising a thousand feet out of the ocean many parts of the island. In fact, if you go up to Tiberius's residence that he built there, there's a bit of a spot, it's a lookout, and there is a sheer drop from the very top straight into the water at the bottom. And as the story goes, this is the place where Tiberius Caesar would have you know, young virgins brought out from the mainland and he would have his way with them. And then having had his way with them, toss them off the edge of the cliff. They've been used. They've been abused. We don't need them anymore. They're gone. It's also the place where if you were an enemy of Tiberius Caesar and he managed to lure you under some false pretense to his mountain retreat there on the island of Capri, This is where you would end your life as well. And so it really does give you a picture of this individual, this vile, vile individual that the Bible says here in verse 21, who would take the empire by intrigue, by the intrigues of his mother. The Bible goes on in verse 22, with the force of a flood, shall he be swept away uh, from the, (coughs) or shall the empire will be swept away and be broken. And we could read it. The, the, The expanded version might sound a little bit like this. With the force of a flood, shall the empire be swept away from before Tiberius, and he shall be broken, being assassinated in his own bed. And also the prince of the Covenant, Jesus Christ, will be put to death by crucifixion during his reign. So Jesus was born under the reign of Caesar Augustus, but Jesus was executed. He gave his life for you and I under the reign of Tiberius. Caesar, And so this is, these are the events that are taking place here, and of course, uh, Tiberius was eventually assassinated. He was suffocated in his own bed with pillows. What a way to go out. Caesar Augustus is one of these guys who was rather fortunate to die from old age. A bunch of these other guys died in really horrible ways, and this guy was, you know, was suffocated in his own bed by his servants and so forth. It was like, you know what, we're done with this guy. We need to be rid of him, and that was it. He was gone. Okay, so basically what we did, what we did, when we moved on on to Rome is that we did a big skip forward in time. So we were talking about Greece, we were talking about the uh, Antiochus the Great, and we mentioned the Roman Republic coming to power. And what Gabriel does is that when he mentions something, he will often like, okay, now since we mentioned that, let's skip ahead and talk about that for a while. He did that with the Persian. He talked about Xerxes the Great, who would rule over the, who would stir up the Greeks. And he's like, okay, so now since we mentioned the Greeks, let's let's talk about the Greeks. And he moves on and he just skips the next nine Persian rules and, and goes on and talks about the Greeks. And that's how we came to the Romans. You know, he come to the Roman Republic when it first appears on the scene when it first has any kind of influence and Gabriel was like okay yep we talked about Rome since we mentioned Rome let's skip ahead and and let's talk about some of the Roman emperors having done that it's almost like he's gone well we missed some really important details so let's go back and let's fill in some of those more important details before we you know Skip ahead again. So the, the Lyle Southwell expanded version might read something now because you know we skipped so far in time to talk about the establishment of the Roman Empire. It's necessary that we now go back and fill in the missing details of the end of the Hellenic period and pick up where we left off with Antiochus the Great back in the past. And the Bible says, um, the Bible here speaks about a league that is made with the Roman Republic in 161 B.C and how the Roman Republic, you know, rises up and acts cunningly. Rome shall come up and become strong from a small number of people. You know, the rise of Rome to power is one of those fascinating portions of history where you've got this relatively small city that just suddenly starts to flex its muscle. And it's a small population because you know, to be a citizen of Rome initially meant that you lived in the city. That was that was what a citizen was, you know. And by the time you come down to the end of the Roman Empire, there's lots of different ways you can, can become a citizen of Rome. You can buy it. You can win it. You can be born into it. Citizenship is given all over the place But you have this city of Rome And within the city they speak Latin And outside of their city they speak Italic And it's just, it is small, it is insular They they kind of don't let anybody else in But they're rising to power dramatically rising to power. It's exactly how the Bible speaks about it. They rise to power cunningly from a small number of people. It's like where did these guys come from? And within no time they're ruling the world. In verse 24 Rome shall enter peaceably by treaty and bequest even into the richest places of the province and do what his fathers have not done. When you look at how Rome came to power it was one of these interesting situations where they suddenly became so powerful on the world stage that there were a lot of kings who sort of looked around and going, you know what is this not worth our while fighting against this if you can't fight it let's join it and they would join the empire by treaties or they would leave the empire to Rome by bequest this is how Egypt became involved in it the Egyptians had a brother and son on the throne who were both children and so they're like well we kind of need somebody to be a protector so we will get the Romans because they live you know on the on the outskirts of the known world back then it seemed but there's certainly not going to be too much interest in Egypt so we'll get these guys to come in and, and, and be protectors of our two pharaohs and to sort of adjudicate between them. And, of course, that did not go well because, yeah, Rome came down there and then it's gone, you know what, we'll have Egypt as well. It's kind of how it all works.
4: Do not boast over me, my enemy. For my father is the victor. Your darkness only makes him brighter. He'll make me more than a conqueror. When I fall I rise again 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 Do not blow over me my enemy disappointments push me deeper into dependence on my father I hold on to him my helper when I fall I will rise again 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 To not rejoice over me, my enemy. Every trial makes me stronger, every failure makes me wiser. As here it finds me in the fire. When I fall, I rise again. 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 When I fall, I rise again Oh
1: Welcome back to Faith FM you're listening to the breakfast show with Gemma and Liam and sort of Lyle, who is <laughs> here but not here. Our final quiz our found clue for the quiz this morning is. Isaiah said that youths grow weary and young men fall, but those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like this bird. If you think you know the answer, give us a call at one 324 843 That's 1800 800 faith fm Or send us a text on 0491 064 669.
2: That is an excellent clue. And the prize up for grabs is a copy of Desire of Ages written by Ellen White. Fantastic book. All yours if you know the answer to today's quiz.
0: Welcome back everybody. We're talking about Rome and the rise of imperial Rome and how it came to power and how that there was a large portion of the Roman Empire that came about by treaty and bequest. We've got that in verse 24 where you know he rises peaceably, uh, well, Rome rises peaceably, even into the richest places of the province, and he will do what his fathers have not done. Of course, you know, Egypt was just like ridiculously wealthy. The, 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 the nation was a nation that dripped in gold for centuries. So he does what his his fathers have not done, and that, and, and Egypt is one, just one example, I should say, of many. Nor his forefathers by taking nations like this in such a peaceful manner. He do, shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, and riches, and he he shall devise his plans from his stronghold, from the city of Rome, but only for a time. Now the Bible uses this. This is this is interesting. You find this time. In Daniel chapter 7, where the Bible speaks of a time, times and half a time. That's a year, two years and half a year. And a day in Bible prophecy symbolizes a year. So we've got to ask ourselves the question, have we just come across a time prophecy here? This is another time prophecy. You know, one year. In a biblical year, and you can find this in Genesis chapter 7 and 8. In a biblical year you're going to find that a biblical year is made up of exactly 360 days. And so we could ask ourselves, do we have a period of 360 days that is brought to light here? Is this a period of 360 years? Because a day symbolizes a, Bible, a, day symbolizes a year in Bible prophecy. Well, what's interesting is what we find in verse 25. Because when we go to verse 25, we're going to find some events that kind of give us a starting date for a possible time prophecy. Let's read on. It talks about the king of the north stirring up his power and his courage against the king of the south. And they meet with a great army and the king of the south is destroyed. So we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, did this ever happen? Was there ever a great battle between the king of the north and the king of the south in the Roman era, a great indecisive battle? And would that give us a starting date for our time prophecy of the previous verse? The Bible says he will devise his plans from the stronghold of Rome, but only for a time. There's kind of two ways of looking at it. You can go to the next verse and say, when was there a great Roman battle taking place in Egypt? That's going to take you to the Battle of Actium in 31 BC. And you can work forward from there. The other thing you could do is you go to the other end of the prophecy and you could say, all right, when did the Romans cease to devise their plans from the stronghold of Rome? And you can find that that took place in 330 AD when Constantine moved the capital from the city of Rome to the city of Constantinople. And you can work backwards from there. It's kind of got two ways of, of dealing with this. And if you work backwards from 330 AD when Constantine moves the capital to Constantinople, you're going to come to the, the Battle of Actium, which is probably the greatest Roman battle that was ever fought in Egypt. So let's talk about this and let's see whether we find it in verse 25. The Bible says that he will stir up the king of the south and come with a great army. And the king of the south will stir up to battle and a very great army, but he will not stand. And a great is less than very great, so we're going to have a bigger army in Egypt. The Bible says because they will devise plans against him. Okay, let's talk about the Battle of Actium and what took place at this particular time. You have a a, a triumvirate that has formed, the second triumvirate between Octavian... Or Octavius, Caesar Augustus, Mark Antony and Lepidus. Now, how does this actually work in an empire? How do you have an empire where three people are in charge? In fact, how do you have anything where three people are in charge, even in a de- democratic system that we're in right now? You don't have three leaders of the Liberal Party. You don't have three leaders of the opposition. You have one leader. Certainly you can have, you know, obviously have deputy leaders, nobody's questioning that, but you have one leader. And here you've got the Roman Empire, and they're trying to have three at the same time. Well, they've tried this before, didn't work last time, can't imagine why it would work this time. And it doesn't. Lepidus is done away with, which means that there's just Caesar Augustus or Octavius and Mark Antony who are left. And Mark Antony is down in Egypt and he is pretty much becoming Egypt, Egyptian. He's gone native, you might say. He dresses like an Egyptian. He's become an Egyptianophile. He just loves everything e- Egyptian. He loves Egyptian art. He He particularly loves Cleopatra. He has fallen for Cleopatra. She has done this, you know, for pretty much the uh um you know the same kind of reasons that she has done in the past she's the kind of person who's very beautiful stunning to look at and uses her feminine power to gain the power that she wants and now she's got power over you know mark Antony, and she's going to use it and it's never going to happen because caesar augustus is like well this can't be there can't be two and so Caesar Augustus raises an army and a fleet to transport that army and a navy and marches on Egypt. Mark Antony realizes he needs to do something about this, so he stirs up and he puts together an even bigger army than the one that Julius Caesar has. We're told that his navy outnumbered Ju- not Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus outnumbers Caesar Augustus's navy by 2 to 1. That's very significant. So he outnumbers him by two to one. And when they come to the Battle of Actium, you would expect that he would win. But it seems that Cleopatra, you know, she's just a young girl. And she is on one of these ships. And she's like going to sail into victory. And she sees that battle is actually not all glory. Battle is mostly just all gore. And she can't handle it. And the ships of the Egyptian fleet are kind of manned by whoever they can scrounge together, and so true sailors are spread very thinly through the sheet, through the through the fleet. And so you can kind of see that you've got you know you've got veteran sailors with Caesar Augustus, you've got Phoenicians there who've lived their entire life on the ocean, and they know how to come to windward um, and get the weather gauge of. The Egyptians. And they're just all over it. And even though they're outnumbered two to one, they just start to smash it. And Cleopatra sees what's happening. Mark Antony is in a position because of his superior numbers. You know, he can he might he might not have the weather gauge, but he can still win this. You know, it's not all just about the weather, because you're dealing with awe power in these days. But she flees. She comes about, she flees and 60 of her own personal fleet go with her. And at that particular point, Mark Antony loses his nerve and is like, oh no, my queen is running away, I'll go and protect her. So he comes about as well and runs. And when he does so, well, predictably, the rest of the fleet does as well and that's it, it's all over. And so, when the land army that he's gathered together, which once again is bigger than Caesar Augustus sees all this happening, they're like, "Well, you know what? Um, we're just going to swap sides. We're going to go with the winner." And that's pretty much the end of Mark Antony. The Bible says in verse twenty-six: "Yes, those who eat the portion of I'm going to put in here Mark Antony's delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away." How does this happen? Well, Cleopatra deserts him. His Egyptian army deserts him. Then his Libyan army goes over to Caesar. And finally, Cleopatra betrays him. And he commits suicide. What a tragic end. To somebody who could have done so so much good because he had a position of power and authority. Every one of us is given a position of power and authority. And at some point... We're going to need to exercise that, even though it's only a tiny, tiny amount of power and authority. We need to exercise it to to God's glory and to God's honor and under his direction.
5: The end. story from the good book we know A story about a miracle that happened long ago We hope that you'll take courage when temptation you meet There's somebody watching you who's strong when you're weak They wouldn't bend They held on to the will of God so we're told They wouldn't bow They would not bow their, their knees, knees to the idle made of gold They wouldn't burn They were protected by the fourth man in the fire They wouldn't bend and They wouldn't bow They wouldn't burn Now the prophet Daniel tells about three men who walked with God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before the wicked king they stood. And the king commanded them bow and throne in the fiery furnace that day. But the fire was so hot that the men were slain who forced them on their way. Now when the three were cast in and the king rose up to witness his awful fate, he began to tremble at what he saw, and in astonished tones he spake. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst that fire? Well, oh, I see four men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. There's Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They, wouldn't
6: they would not bow their
5: knees to the idol, they would go. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't Burn. They wouldn't bend. They held on to the will of God so we are told. They wouldn't bow. They would not bow their knees to the idols made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. They wouldn't They held on to the will of God so we are told.
7: They
1: Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Listening to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Hello,
8: greetings from your local Werewolf Seventh-day Adventist Church. My name is Tara. I am part of a prayer group that meets every Wednesday evening at 6.30 here at church. We would love to have you join us in discussions and prayer. We would love to have the privilege to pray for you and any other further prayer requests. We pray for the sick, the needy, and also our local community. The address again is 43 Mason Street, Warragul. That's every Wednesday, 6.30pm.
2: The Faith FM Breakfast Show. You are listening to Meekness and Majesty by Graham Kendrick. We're up to the awesome part of the show where we have the question of the day. But before we get to that, we're going to jump on for our last clue. Our for very the last clue. What creature am I, quiz?
1: I am either eagle or eagles, crow or crows. Or swan or swans? Ooh. If you think you know the answer, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text on 491
2: And we don't have a winning yet, so there is still a prize up for grabs and you've got some pretty good chances. I mean, you've got 33% that one of those are going to be correct. So In- if you know what it is, deed. make sure you give us a call.
1: There we go. Now, for our question of the day, we have got um, the North New South Wales Conference President in to joining us, which is Pastor Adrian Rathel. Welcome, Pastor Adrian. How are you?
9: Good morning. It's great to be here. Yeah, doing fine. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much. Now, we've asked you to come in here uh, this morning just to sort of help reassure our listeners to make sure that um, in this time of the coronavirus, the, the church has, has made their stand, and I guess we've just need reassuring i
2: suppose making sure that everything's all good so um yeah question of the day for you to help us answer is what happens with church because of all the closes of everything else in the world with coronavirus what happens with church
9: yeah um good good question and we're certainly living in interesting times but uh yeah the decision was made earlier this week uh, to close or to recommend that local churches close across Australia. Um, but that doesn't mean that that, that things aren't going to happen or that there aren't some uh, some worship um, opportunities available. We're encouraging people to meet in family units yep. um, or small groups mm. um, in homes, um, get together with a few friends and so forth, open the word, um, take advantage of uh, some of the resources that are out there There's a whole range of resources. Uh, Disciple.org is a fantastic uh, website with a whole bunch of resources on it. Waymaker TV has got a great bunch of resources. And here's an opportunity actually for parents just to spend some time with their children Mm. and and open the Word together and have some great family worship, maybe a couple of families together and so forth. Yes, it is going to look different, and it will be different, but um, here's an opportunity to do something um, a little special um, Mm. in small groups. Absolutely.
2: Was there a lot of thought and process that went into kind of making this decision? I'm assuming there was oh, yeah. a lot of prayer and thought <laughs> yeah. and yeah, how easy was it to make this decision?
9: Absolutely yeah Gemma, I mean this is unprecedented mm. um, this has never happened that I'm aware of in the history of, of the Adventist Church and m- and many churches, it's not just our denomination, mm. other denominations are facing the same issue and uh, interestingly enough you know our um, our leaders took the the decision earlier this week, the government's now come in and said you know no um, no gatherings indoor of more yeah. than 100 people so churches have to sh- well larger churches have to shut down um so we have to think creatively mm. um we have to think about um perhaps um, older people yeah um who can't or who struggle to get to work, to, to church, or who really rely on just coming together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's an opportunity to reach out to them, but not only uh, members and visitors, but also um, people in the community. You Absolutely. know, just to, just to uh, wander up and down the street, and, and uh, if you've got elderly people in the area, you know, knock on their door, say hi. You know, how you doing? Have you got the things that you need? Mm-hmm. Um, can I, is there something I can help you with? Whatever. Here's an opportunity to really interact with our local communities.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, as, as I'm sure we're all aware, this is something that, has you mentioned, this is something that's never happened before in the Adventist church. And yeah. It's it's things, because something, I know from my experience with learning new things, it doesn't always work well the first time. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing we all need to be aware of is that it might not be perfect, but that's because it's never happened before. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's a learning process, and, and I'm sure... As you reassure everyone, it's we're getting there.
9: Yeah, absolutely. It's and it's yeah, it, it will look very different. Yeah. Um, you know, even even people wanting uh, people asking, um, you know, how can I give my tithes and offerings? Yeah, you know, that's going to look different. There's obviously the e-giving website, yep. but local churches may need to put some other measures in place yep. where people there's a central location where people can drop off their their um, their offerings and so forth, and and get receipts and things like that. Very good.
2: Just quickly, is you've already mentioned disciple.org as one uh, place where we can go to to get some ideas and suggestions of how to run our new home churches that we're all yep. starting this weekend. Yep. Any other suggestions or resources of things out there that we can do?
9: Yes. Yeah. As I mentioned, waymaker.tv is another great website where there's a whole range of, of material there for people who need it. We are putting together a list of churches who do live streaming and mm-hmm. there will be churches running worship services with empty pews. Oh, fantastic. Um, and, and uploading them. So we're putting a list of those together so that people can log on if they need to do that. So
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's been super awesome. So if you're at home and you don't know what you're doing this Saturday, this Sabbath, jump onto any of those resources and you can still do church no matter where you are. This is Candy and Daryl Cunnan with Quiet Times.
7: Quiet times in a quiet room How good, how good does it feel To be far Look like a child. Cause nowhere is easy to find nowadays. There's people going every day. Ask them and they'll show you the way. You buy your ticket with pain and it's a one way train. Just give me quiet times. The Lord in my soul, a little little touch touch of heaven. heaven.
1: back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show uh, with Gemma and Liam. Um, We've come now to the part of the show where we have our free giveaway. Best part of the show. Absolutely. Free
2: giveaway. Who doesn't want a free book? That's it. Who does not want free stuff?
1: Absolutely. And the book that we've got for you this morning is a book called Live More Happy by Darren Morton. Scientifically proven ways to lift your mood and your life.
2: And this is exactly what we all need at the moment because we've been talking a lot today about the coronavirus, about staying indoors, about health. Thank you for Camilla Scaff for coming on and giving us that segment about health. So this ties in perfectly with everything we've been talking about today. Um, and this week really. So, Absolutely. this is a fantastic book, and all you need to do to get your hands on this book is give us a call, 1-800-324-843, that is 1-800-FAITH-FM, and we will send you this book, and while you're in isolation at home, you can read it, and it'll be great.
1: Absolutely. Now, Pastor Darren actually got to speak on Studio 10 about this uh, sometime last year, so it's a, it's a very well-known book, um, so uh, get your hands on that as soon as you can. It's a very very good book
2: and a quick reminder while we have time our other prize is still up for grabs nobody has called in yet for our quiz so if you know what the quiz is out of all of the clues we've given you can give us a call as well numbers exactly the same send us a text 0491 064 669 and John
1: Bradshaw will be coming up next after us but until then don't forget that you need to talk faith live faith act faith
2: and you will go strong in
1: Jesus Christ thanks for that
7: God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By His counsel's guide uphold you, with His sheep secure.
8: Shines light on me. Open up my eyes so I can see. When I look up in the darkest night, then I know everything's gonna be alright. In deep confusion, in great despair. When I reach out for him, he is there. When I am lonely as I can be Then I know that God shines His light on me Sick. and he heals the lame, says you can do it too, in Jesus' name. Yes, he'll lift you up and turn you around, and he'll put your feet back on higher ground. Reach out for him, he'll be there, Willing you will end Can share. Oh, Oh, Oh. you can use his higher power. Any Any day, at any hour. Heals the sick, sick yeah, he heals the
7: lame.
8: Says you can do it (laughs) too, in Jesus' name. Yes, he'll lift you up and turn (laughs) you around. Put your feedback on, on higher ground, ground.
7: Put your feet back on higher ground. Put your feet back Mm -hmm. on higher ground.